Yeah, we won't. Forget it. We'll go back to the original plan, Carolyn. <laughs> so um, here goes. A couple of announcements. Um, real basically to get you to do your job. Isn't that cool? Um, we're a body. And everybody has a part in the body. And every part is needed in the body. Um, the staff at Glen Kirk doesn't do all the work. The staff at Glen Kirk is to help all of us do our part in the body. Um, and so there are things every now and then that just as a reminder, um, we kind of need to all be all in with. Um, one of the things that's going to happen on Wednesday nights, um, starting, I think I said the first of November, right, Lynn? Lynn? No, Lynn? Huh? It's first of November, right? First Wednesday in November, yeah, the first Wednesday in November is we're going to do a gifts class again so that we can kind of, um, we haven't done these for a couple of years, so we can all kind of discover what our gifts are and maybe some ways that we could use our gifts in, in the body. But before then, so that was a plug for a gifts class, first Wednesday, November at night, okay? But before then, we also could use some help. Even if you don't know your gifts, we can definitely use you, okay? Um, one is we have a Hands Together weekend this coming Saturday, Okay, um, where we're going to be doing a bunch of projects on campus here, kind of spursing the campus up for the year. Um, we're going to be helping out at Homework House. Um, if you have not signed up to be a part of that, we would really love you to sign up to be a part of that. Um, Patty can help you do that. I think you got an email about how to do that. Um, please do. That helps us plan for dinner because we're going to have a big celebration dinner and kind of town hall meeting. But we need help during the day. So if you can help, that would be really cool. Here's another thing. I'm going to pass some clipboards around. Please do not pass these around when we're praying. But um, so here goes. Um, yeah, that wasn't a water thing. Here, here is here's what the clipboards are for. We have 120 kids signed up for Awanas. Okay. Last year it was 60. Okay, so that's why this is kind of cool. Um, it means that we are rechanging a whole bunch of things around um, on Wednesday nights. But one of the things that really needs is we have 120 kids who show up every week and need an individual to say their memory verse to. Okay, this is really hard. You look at a child and you say, did you memorize something? And they say, yeah, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him. And you go, oh, cool. And then you sign their book. This is hard. Okay? But it takes 30 minutes on Wednesday night between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. And so if you at all can help beginning tonight at 6.30 in room 15, we would really love your help. Um, you can sign that clipboard saying, yes, I can come help on Wednesday nights. Um, come tonight if you can. If you can't come tonight, say, I can help in the future. But put your name on that clipboard. We really could use your help because we got kids coming out of the woodwork, which is an awesome problem to have. But help. No, I just said room 15 for a purpose. I just, I just said room 15 for a purpose. Okay, so just, it might be that right now I said room 15 for a reason, so. Okay, because the class that was in room 15 is room into room 22. Okay, and the Iwana program that was in room 9 is room into room 15. 
Okay, because they outgrew room nine because we got too many kids in room nine. See, that's a problem. So anyway, so that's why I just said room 15. So I don't know, I needed to do that, but that's why I said it, okay? So um, here goes. It is already 10.06. We are way behind, but we're gonna do this anyway. Um, last Thursday night, um, last Friday morning, I did do a, um, had to do, yes, a devotion for um, iMoms. And in the middle of the night, God gave me a verse. And I'm going to give it to you right now. It is Matthew 11. I think it's like 32 or something. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right now, I'm gonna ask that you do this. We're gonna take two minutes. And I'm gonna ask that you just take all of that stuff that you are carrying and give it to God. And just ask him for his rest. And after two minutes, don't you dare take it back. Just give it to God. So take a couple deep breaths and say, Lord, here it is. And just open up your hands and rest in God. Prayed for blessings 
skies There's a Confederate soldier who once wrote this. I asked for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all the things that I might enjoy life and I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I had asked for but everything that I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. James says, consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. C.S. Lewis, um, actually, he doesn't say if you encounter various trials. He says when you encounter various trials, okay? Um, and, and the word various there is important, okay? Because they are various, okay? Um, some trials had to do with trying to get through the high school on a day like today at Foothill and, what is it? Yeah, Valley Center, yeah, okay. Um, if you had to come that direction, it was disastrous. We all started leaders group going, what in the bloom and the blazes were they thinking? Some are flat tires. Some have to do with cancer and children. Okay. Some are given by God. Um, some, quite honestly, are given by Satan. Some are because of stupid things that I do. Some are just stupid things that other people do. Okay. Um, it's not when it's, if it's gonna happen, it's when it happens. Okay. James takes it for granted. C.S. Lewis has this quote. Um, for the wise men of old, the cardinal, which basically the basic bottom line problem of human life was how to conform the soul, how to conform our emotions, our heart, how we react to things, okay, to objective reality. And the solution was wisdom and self-discipline and virtue. 
Now, C.S. Lewis wrote this back in, you know, the 40s, 50s, okay, um, about society at that point in time, but it's only really gotten worse because he says, that's the way it used to be, but let me tell you how it is today. He says, today, for the modern man, the basic problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man. And the solution is technique. See, rather than saying, this is reality, how do I deal with reality? What we try and do is figure out how to change reality. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about the passage, but when I was looking at this passage, one of the things I read was a sermon by um, Tim Keller. And Tim said that one of the basic problems that we have today is that we think we shouldn't face trials. Okay. So we don't want to learn how to deal with trials. We don't want to learn what trials are all about. We don't want to know how to go through trials. You know, what we want to do is escape trials. He basically says we, we do things in, in, in three ways. He, he says, like Lewis, one is technique. Keller called it technology. We live in a world today where technology is supposed to solve all of our problems. If we have a problem, there's an answer out there somebody, that, that somebody can solve it. Okay? We're not supposed to have problems. We know enough, we're wise enough, we're capable enough to solve the problem. And so what we do when we have a problem is we figure it has to be somebody's fault for not doing their job. Right? Because if we did it right, we wouldn't have a problem. Okay. There's a shooting in Las Vegas or yeah, about a year ago. Whose fault was it? The hotel didn't do a good enough job of security, right? which allowed a gunman to get up into an upper room that faced over a concert. It's the hotel's problem because they didn't do their job. See? Or, or the other problem, or the other thing Lewis, um, Keller says is we basically no longer believe that we're sinful. We all believe that we're innately good. <clears throat> okay. and, and so the problems that we have today, you know, are, are somebody else's problems that affect me. Okay and I get to blame somebody else, I'm just a victim. Okay. Um, normally what we do is we just blame God, it's his problem. I mean, if he were really God, then he would have done something. So obviously there's not a God because he let this problem exist. You know? Some of the problems, a lot of the problems we have today um, are because we live in a world where people basically are not innately good. We are innately selfish, okay? We want everything to be about me, and if everything's about me, it can't be about you, and if we're all trying to be about me, we're gonna clash, and that's gonna cause problems. We call it sin. When I make everything about me, Excuse me. The third thing 
Keller says is this. He says, the other problem that we have today, the reasons why we don't think we should have problems and trials, and because we can't face problems and trials and, and don't live like men of old, is because we live in a secular world. And a secular world says it's all about the now. Okay? It's all about being happy now. This world is all there is, and so go for the gusto. This moment is all I have. Go for the gusto now. I'm supposed to be happy now. I do everything I can to be happy now. But this is not reality. Okay? Technology cannot, science and technology and all of the intellectual wisdom in the world cannot solve our problems. It cannot stop a hurricane from bearing down on Carolina. Might be able to know whether or not it's gonna hit North or South Carolina, but we can't stop the hurricane, okay? Technology cannot solve all of our problems. We live in a sinful world. And because of that, I am gonna get hurt and I am gonna hurt other people. And I am going to do things that will hurt myself and will hurt other people. And the reality gets to be, this world is not all there is. And that is good news. You see, the good news is, is that science isn't in control of everything. But you know what? We do have a God who is in control of everything. We do have a God who is saying, that there is more to this world than meets the eye. A God who has presented himself to us that we might show the extent of his power and of his love, that we might trust him no matter what occurs. Um, one of the um, illustrations that, that Keller used, he said, you know, it's only if a king only realizes that he's, I'm trying to say this right. I'll use a different way, different illustration. A newlywed couple honeymoon goes to Motel 6. You all laugh. Somebody who just got out of jail goes to Motel 6. Not bad, okay? A matter of perspective, right? See, um, we have a perspective that says there should be more. And we're right, there should be more. We were created for something more. But the problem is we lost that in the garden. And God is saying, I am coming and I am restoring that which is lost. But in the meantime, in the process, life isn't gonna be the way it's supposed to be. But it's not somebody else's fault, okay? It's not something you can solve. It is something I can solve. And I am working to solve it. And I am in control. And so when you encounter 
various trials. Stop, think. Don't look at the trial. Look at me. Trust in me. See what I am going to do in the midst of it. And there's another quote. Um, this morning I opened up a devotional of mine and I started reading it just for my own devotion time and I read this quote on um, evangelism. It's the next quote down, I think. It says, the end product of evangelism is not to get you out of hell and into heaven. I can't type very well at early in the morning. But to get God, that should be a capital G, out of heaven and into you. So that Christ living in your heart might bring God out again into the open where he can be seen. See, it's not, the whole issue isn't about us just going to heaven someday. The issue is about getting God into us so that other people can see God. That happens most often in the midst of a trial. Whether or not that's a divine healing, which God does and we can pray for with this child, or whether or not this is a prolonged healing or prolonged acting that God is doing that we might never understand this side of heaven. Joseph was a man who faced various trials. Old Testament. He was the tenth or the eleventh out of twelve kids. His father loved him the most, most, showered him with gifts. You can imagine how the ten older brothers felt about that. They did not like Joseph. So one day when dad sent Joseph out on a mission to go find out how the brothers were, they took one look at Joseph and said, let's get rid of this kid. We don't have to deal with him anymore. So they threw him into a pit. They were going to kill him. But instead, they saw this caravan coming and they said, hey, why don't we just sell him into slavery? And that's what they did. They sold Joseph into slavery. Now, Joseph was a Hebrew. He spoke Hebrew. He ends up in Egypt where they speak Egyptian. He did not wallow in it. He learned Egyptian. He figured out how to become an Egyptian. And the person whose house he was sold to made him in charge of the whole house. And he was doing a great job. And the guy's wife starts to hit on him. And Joseph does what he's supposed to do. And he says, no way. And the wife gets mad. So she blames Joseph. And Joseph ends up in prison. Did he wallow in prison? No. He just kept trusting in God. Kept doing what he could in the midst of the situation that he was in. You know? And he raises to the top of the Egyptian prison. You know? Only, you know, to interpret some dreams one day to some guys and they get out or one of them gets out and forgets all about Joseph. And again, Joseph doesn't wallow. But a number of years later, there's a reason for that guy to remember Joseph. And long story short, Joseph gets out of prison. He becomes head over all of Egypt for one purpose. For God to allow a famine to come upon Jesus, in fact, Jesus, come upon Egypt. In fact, he probably caused the famine in the first place so that the 
other brothers would come to Egypt seeking food so that they would settle down in Egypt and God would take this one family that he had promised to bless in order that they might bless other people so that he could turn that one family into a great nation. And so they lived in Egypt for 500 years and they became a numerous people, a great nation. Okay. At one point, Joseph's brothers come to Joseph and say, excuse me, but we're kind of afraid that you might now kill us because of what we did to you. And Joseph's comment to them was, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. James says, consider it, stop, think. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials because what is intended for evil at whatever level, whether or not it comes from evil or Satan intends it for evil for whatever reason, whatever that is, God has the power and the ability to use it for good. Good for other people. Good for you. Good for his plans. And so he says, look past the situation and look to me. In fact, he says, you're not gonna be able to handle the situation on, the only, on your own. The only way you're gonna be able to handle that situation is if you pray for wisdom. Because if you try and handle the situation with all of the techniques that you've learned, all those step books, you know, those self-help books, if you try and do it that way, you're going to miss out on really what's going on. You're not gonna handle it right. If I were handling the cross, if I were handling Jesus on Thursday night before he went to the cross on Friday, I would have kidnapped him and taken him someplace else so he didn't have to go to a cross. But Hebrews tells us to consider Jesus, to look to Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured, I think that's that same word that we're gonna get out of persevered, endure, persevere, patiently took on the cross for our sakes, because he knew there was gonna be a resurrection, because he trusted God. He went through the trial of a cross. Without praying for wisdom, I would do anything else but go to a cross. But Jesus was willing to look to the Father and pray to the Father and be obedient to the Father and trust the Father, and as a result was even willing to do the cross so that we, could know the depth of the love so that we could be released from everything that binds us, so that we could have freedom, so that we could have life, so that we could know God, so that God could be in us. And so when we go through various trials, what we need to do is we need to go, God, help, I don't get this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how to get through this. So God, show me one step at a time. Give me your wisdom, give me your spirit. And, and wisdom and spirit kind of are a play on words at a certain level. They're not a play on words, but I mean, they're kind of a play on images in wisdom literature. Give me your spirit that I might not just passively let this happen, but actually allow what you're doing to happen 
that there might be, in a sense, many resurrections through what I'm going through, that others could see you, that I could become more like you. Going through trials, persevering is not a passive thing. It is an actually active thing where I'm asking God for help to get through. But James says, when you ask, make sure you ask with faith, don't doubt. Now, I read that, and I gotta tell you, there are times in my life when I doubt. Okay? One of the times in particular I can remember doubting when I was in working with kids, when I was a youth pastor here, and I was drowning, because I had to work with Luann. Um, <laughs> you had a trial, <laughs> talk about that. You know, um, God used that a lot in my life. But anyway, Mar working with Margaret Rose, Margaret here too? Margaret here today? No Margaret today. She taught me a few things too. <clears throat> Um, I remember going up to Forest Home. One time I got out in a boat. I just took a day out. Pastors can do this. Went out in the lake. Said, God, I'm not leaving this lake until you show yourself to me. Silence. <laughs> God, no, you got to show, because I'm tired of doing this stuff. You got to really, you know, I doubted. What I finally kind of felt like God saying to me was, well, <laughs> you're going to be here a long time. <laughs> Get back in the game and I'll show you yourself. It's not so much that I question God. The doubting that is being used there is, is one of being two-faced, okay? It's like having a feet in both worlds. It's like saying, God, um, give me wisdom. What do you want me to do? And then I'll decide when I'm gonna do it your way or when I'm gonna do it the way all my friends tell me to do it. When I'm gonna do it your way or I'm gonna do it the way I wanna do it, see? And, and what's really going on there is, is God's going, no, you need to be all in. If you're all in, if you're willing to follow me, then I'm gonna give you that wisdom. See? What, what faith, what, what trials do is they show us really what we're putting our trust in. Not only do they let other people see God in us, but they also let us show, they also let us see where exactly we're putting our faith trust what foundation we're building our lives on. See? And so James says, ask without doubting, ask all in. And God, who loves to give, will give you wisdom. Maybe not tell you what it's going on or why it's happening, but he'll give you the next step. He'll let you know that he's there beside you. He'll give you what you need to get through, see, to his end. Um, let's run through those slides real fast. Can we, um, I think we have this, yeah. Um, did we do that one? With, keep going. Um, so part of what you learn through trials is um, that you're a fool. Okay, that you're not in control, okay? Um, that this world is temporary. Um, Jesus' death solves the problem of s suffering um, in general, but not in the particular. We're still in this mop-up operation, okay? Um, one of the things about that word um, persevere um, carries with this, this connotation of standing in the gap. When, and, and basically maybe the, the best illustration that I could 
could have on that would be to say um, that if all of a sudden there was an active shooter outside and we locked all the doors and I went and stood outside between you and the shooters, see, that is that sense of standing in the gap. And, and part of what God is calling me to do is stand in the gap for other peoples and that happens through trials, see is that I end up standing the gap for others. They see Christ in me and they have confidence and faith. Um, it shows whether or not I'm two-faced or not, whether or not I really have real faith or I don't have faith. Let's go to the next one real fast. Um, it produces humility. Um, Paul says this. Um, I had great wisdom and great calling and I saw Jesus and everything else and so God gave me a stone in the flesh to remind me that when I'm weak, I'm strong. So that I'd actually depend upon God rather than myself. Um, it teaches us freedom. It shows us what we're hanging on to, what we feel like we can't live without, okay? So that we can really see that really all we need is God. Um, it gives us compassion, faith, Christ-likeness, consistency, staying patterns. It readies us for eternity. God is creating in us. God is wanting us to become like Jesus. And Iron sharpens iron. Hard times gets rid of the edges. You know, it's like the sand in a pearl. It's like the sand in an oyster. It creates a pearl. That's what God is doing with our lives. Let's go to the next one. Um, ask um, for wisdom, for um, the wisdom that's not the world's wisdom. So you make appropriate decisions. So you can see the significance of things. So you can apply God to your life. Um, if you don't ask, you don't realize you need um, God delights in giving. God doesn't, when you go to God and say, God, help me, and even if you caused your own trial, God doesn't sit back and go, <clears throat> let's talk. You should have. I mean, God's just always ready to give. He's not there to criticize. Um, let's go to the next one. Tested faith brings character. It enables us to comfort arrows. It enables us to encourages us to lead a productive and effective life. It helps us identify with Christ and allows us to focus on the future hope we have in Christ. This world is not all there is. Let's go to the next one. Bottom line, question. And Leanne hinted at this one earlier, kind of said it outright. What is it that you really want? You're not gonna have joy in the midst of trial if what you really want is easy sailing. If you want this life to be perfect, you're not gonna have joy in the midst of trials. But is that what you want? Yeah, most of the time that's what I want. And God's going, no, there's so much more. Will you trust me? Will you look to me? Will you realize it's not about this world? And so what trials do is get me to ask, what is it do I really want? Do I really want God? Do I really want to be mature in him? Do I really want to be his servant? Do I really want to bring him glory? Do I really want to be one with him? Because if that's what I want, then when trials come into my life, I can look through them to God. And even in the midst of painful suffering, can have joy. 
because I know that he will not leave me or forsake me, that he is in absolute control, and that what is meant for evil will end in his glorious kingdom good. Let's pray. Oh, no. Instead of praying, we're gonna watch this song. Take it all, every hope, every dream.